Um, my parents, this is sort of was a home church for us years ago because my parents and my younger brother used to come here. And then my brother married, uh, and his wife was also a member here. My brother got saved in this church in 1982. You guys were meeting. How many were part of this church in 1982? Wow, hey. Wow, look at that. There's still some here. The old timers are holding down the fort. (laughs) Well, some ladies don't want to be called old timers. Sorry about that. Old timers in the spirit. But I, I, it was my first year at Rama, and I was on fire, and I brought my brother to the Christmas service here. Oh, well, at the storefront. And he went up, and that day he was the only one that went up for salvation. And then he brought my dad, and then my, my dad brought my mom. And they got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost here and taught the Word of God here. So we have a special, not only have you partnered with us for many years, but we just have a special place in our hearts because our family was fed here and blessed here for many years. Amen. Um, so we go back a long way. But anyway, because of the time tonight, I'm going to ask the technicians back there, do you guys have the link I didn't talk to you before the service. I forgot. Okay, they're they're on. They're sharp. They're on the ball here. Um, but our latest uh, outreach of what we're doing is a television program in the Middle East that is reaching. While well, they say it reaches into where there is uh, there are Arabic speaking people around the world, but there's a real concentration, obviously, in the Middle East, and we are. Uh, with Al Karma, you can look them up. A L K A R M A. They're the largest satellite by far in the Middle East. They call them the TBN of the Middle East, and they have equipment apparently that keeps these statistics. But four million, they have four million daily viewers that watch their program. So what they did when they asked me to have a program. Um, they gave me the liberty to to have whatever kind of program I want, whatever title, you know, and it's called Behind the Veil. used to be called Beyond the Veil, but there was a, some kind of trademark right, and it, we had to change one word to Behind the Veil. But what they do is they transcribe it into Arabic, and then somebody has to voice over the program, so it's coming across all in Arabic. So I wanted to show you one minute of the English, one minute of the Arabic, so that you can get an idea of uh, what we're doing. But play the Arabic first, if you will. Um, <laughs> a minute's going to seem long because you're not going to understand any. But we're going to let you see the intro, 30-second intro, and then maybe 30 seconds of, of introduction and preaching in Arabic. All right, so where are we going to see it? Okay, there you go.
اهلا وسهلا بكم في برنامجنا الجديد في وراء الحجاب اسمي بيرت فاريس واحنا نكون معاكم كل اسبوع في برنامجنا عندنا امور عظيمه وسعيده نتكلم عنها في وراء الحجاب هو ده اسم البرنامج لاننا هناخدك وراء الحجاب هناخدك لعالم غير مرئي هناخدك لعالم الروح العالم اللي الكتاب المقدس يتكلم عنه But just to give you an idea, let's watch the English. Did you want to say something? Yeah. I was going to let you say something in a minute. When he was doing the first recording, uh, Mina, who is the producer of the show, his sister was there watching, and he had to be quiet, so I didn't stay the whole time. But you have to sit there and really be quiet. And uh, But she, at the end of one of the sessions, she just looked at me and just said, I have no words to say what this is doing in my heart. And, and, and so um, I could tell, and um, the, that's why they really want Bert on, because he, he carries that anointing for the nations, you know, and for the people. So um, they're really being changed. And even one of the um, meetings where uh, Brother Bert was ministering on the love of God, Mina the, just broke and said, I never knew this. So the word is going through. And you know, the Arabs, they're going to fight it, but they're still hearing it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Thank you. So if we can watch a minute of the English, just so you know what we said. We'll get a gist of what the program is. Isn't that a powerful intro? Hello, welcome to our new program, Beyond the Veil. My name is Bert Farias, and uh, we're going to be with you uh, every week on this program. And uh, we have some exciting things to talk about. Beyond the Veil is just that. We're going to take you beyond the veil. We're going to take you into the invisible world. We're going to take you into the spiritual world. The world that the Bible speaks of, the world that is even more real than this natural world that we move around in, that we see and, and, and hear and feel. Good. You want to hear the rest of the message and I can go sit down? <laughs> no, no. Again, thank you. This, this, you know, it's not cheap to be on television. I mean, if I was on TBN in the United States or a station like that, we'd be paying seven, eight thousand dollars a month to have a 30-minute program on every week. This is about three thousand a month, which is still a big stretch for us. But anyway, God's providing and but we we just thank you again for your prayers and support. My wife wants to sit down. Um, can she sit up here and 
she, she's recovering from an injury she had to her leg, so she can't stand up for a long time. But when the anointing gets moving, she, she can stand a lot longer. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, let me get this out of the way, too, because it's been so long since we've been here. We have a book table. Some of you saw it uh, coming in, and I, I just want to real quickly. Um, a few years ago, I started paying attention to a word the Lord gave me. I, I don't know why I didn't pay attention before. I didn't think it was him. He said, your life's writing is your life's greatest work. And I thought, that can't be God. Who am I? I don't have a platform. I don't, who's going to buy my books? Who's going to read my, 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 what I write? And it was 10 years past and the Lord, I was struggling. And he said, what's the last thing I told you to do? And I had to, some days in prayer before I heard him say that. And I said, to write? That was you, Lord? You really want me to write? And so I got really diligent the last few years. We've written, we're working on our 11th book. But there's a real, um, there's an anointing on these books. And I, I, I'm not saying that because I wrote them, but the, the, the reviews and the encouragement that we get from the readers is enough to tell us, okay, this is really penetrating and piercing and touching hearts. But we have four, I'll just advertise these four, the real salvation, the real gospel, the real Jesus, the real spirit of revival. I didn't start out to have a series. It's not really a series. I didn't start out to write a real series, but it's just, that's just the way it came out. And, um, you know, the fear of God and the fire of God is attached to these books. I mean, we have testimonies from readers where I can't put this book down or, you know, I had to repent several times before I could finish chapter one. I mean, just, you know, people have wept because only God can do that by his spirit. It's not because I'm a great writer because really I'm not. But there's a, a mandate and an anointing to write. And so I know these books will bless you and produce the fear of the Lord and the fire of God in you. And then this is our latest one, passing on the move of God to the next generation. And this is a really precious book to me. It talks about how important the demonstration of, of the spirit of God and the power of God is in this hour, how important it is to stick and stay with the word of God. And, and then it's divided into three sections, the spirit, the word, and then the last short section we talk about, um, what God is looking for in a 21st century preacher today. And again, I could preach that chapter, but if, but this book will, again, light a fire in you and help you to see how important it is in this hour to pass what we've learned unto the next generation because Jesus is coming, he's at the door, and he's looking for something. He's looking for fruit, and he, he's, he's looking for a house of prayer. He's looking for a people that are holy, that are prayerful, that are waiting in expectation for his coming, that are living in the light of eternity. Amen? And, and so, you know, help yourself to those books after the service. Uh, I mean, don't help yourself, but I mean, <laughs> they do cost some money. But most of our publication money goes right back to publications. Um, Glory to God. Um, you know, I might not be able to get into to what I want to get into tonight because I want to make this. The Spirit of God can do wonders in a short, short time. 
Uh, So let's just pray for a moment before we shift gears here. Father, I just thank you, first of all, for, again, the honor, the privilege of just being here in this place again that has done so much for me and my family. Lord, it's such an honor, and we want to honor them tonight uh, with your impartation and a, a deposit to be made into each heart this night that would make a difference for now and for eternity. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that's here and that's present. We welcome you. Speak to us and through us. Move in us and through us. And let Jesus be glorified in Jesus' name. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you want to say hi? Hi. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm um when the best preaching by any preacher is what's alive in them. And many times it's the work of God, the dealings of God, the work of God that He's doing in them. And in my heart, really over the last X number of years, few years, the Lord has really been dealing with me personally about loving people (laughs) more and better than I ever have before. And in the circles that I've run in for many years, we are, we, we've been plugged into, um, and it's hard to say some of this. If I've, you know, it's like we have been plugged into too much hype and showmanship and professionalism and superficiality. And the production of man. And the Lord, especially in the last, I'm going to say 10 years at least, has been unplugging me from that realm, that world, and plugging me into meeting, loving and meeting the real needs of people. Individual people. Because there's sort of a a facade and a veneer that blocks us many times from seeing, knowing and seeing the true heart of the Lord. And when... You see his true heart when you feel it inside. There's a, ref- a transformation that begins to happen in you. I remember one time, I won't tell all the details, but a friend of mine who's really a prophet, genuine, one of the genuine ones, he said that one time he had a vision of, of people in the Middle East, 
two Muslims, a, a man and his wife, that were praying for provision. And I think he needed, they needed, uh, the woman needed like a, you know, these simple things. These were poor people. She needed like a comb, a mirror, and something else. And so they asked Allah, the Muslim God, which Allah simply means God, for those things. Well, the man went out, you know, they prayed, and the man went out for the day to the marketplace to sell his vegetables. He was a, a farmer. And before he even got to the market, a man ran to him and said, Oh, I want some vegetables. I want to. He said, What do you want? He said, No, I want, I want to buy all. I want to buy all. He said, You want all my vegetables? Yes. And the man bought all his vegetables. This, this farmer, this poor man ran back to his house and told his wife, Allah has answered our prayer immediately. What's so great about that? The Lord said to my prophet friend, I did that for them. And it upset his theology. Like, Lord, I mean, they're praying to a false god. They think a false god answered them. And the Lord said, did you not read in my word where I caused the sun to shine, the rain to fall on the righteous and unrighteous, the just and the unjust? And my friend was like, wow. And when he told me, I was like, wow. And I was, not too long ago, I was, we were in Atlanta. We were in rush hour traffic and I was getting very impatient because, you know, it's like six or seven lanes of bumper-to-bumper traffic. And my wife was like, honey, there's nothing you can do about it. It's out of your control. Just praise the Lord. Thank God for good wives. <laughs> so I was, I just began to rejoice and to praise the Lord. But at that moment, I thought, of that vision that my prophet friend had. And out of my spirit came a song. It was a very, just a melody. Realize I'm thinking about this vision. I'm thinking about how wonderful, how good, how merciful, how kind the Lord is. I'm thinking about his heart for these, this Muslim couple, his heart for all Muslims, his heart for all peoples. And I started out of my spirit. It was a, a, a fresh song. I love the way you are. Lord, I love the way you are. I love, I love the way you are. I just kept saying that over and over again. I love the way you are. Lord, I love the way you are. I love, I love the way you are. Then a couple more lines came. Your beauty fascinates me. Your heart, it captivates me. And I love, I love the way you are. Just kept singing that. Tears. Singing tears, joy, and rush hour traffic. I forgot all about the traffic. (laughs) But it was the heart of the Lord. 
in that simple song that I still occasionally sing, when you get a song from heaven, it sticks to you. Stays with you. I'm not a musician, but that melody has never left me. That happened probably three, four years ago. You're about to see something right now. A big piece of my heart I'm giving to you now. Take it. Receive it. Yeah. And for dena so Oh, Mike, day for in a kaile Melina Cofordina Astaide. Yes, there has been a veil over some that has kept you from seeing my true heart. When you see it, hmm, Lord, I have been blinded. I have never seen this about you. Oh, it is like a breath of fresh air, new oxygen. When I see you this way, oh, I feel your presence. Everybody lift up your hands. Mm. I pray for this. I pray for this revelation. And this moving that I'm sensing in the spirit over this congregation. <sighs> the presence of God stronger in individual lives. Ministry stronger to the one. Stronger words of knowledge and wisdom and healing to those outside. But yet around them. I thank you for this, Father. Hmm. Yes, for didn't I go out of my way to see the woman at the well, the one who was put down and cast down by society because I had someone who was needing me and needing to be filled and for the thirst to be met. And so I too will lead you in the days ahead to those individuals who are being cast down, who have no hope. For I am beginning even now and have been, yes, he has been moving in a new way in this place. And so I will use you in this grace and you will have revelation of not only me, but me working in that one in front of you. Thank God that our great shepherd is one that leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And there must be a new and a real rejoicing in the spirit in this hour. For what did Jesus rejoice about? What did Jesus rejoice over? 
Did he rejoice in the hype, in the showmanship, in the outward appearance of things? No. Jesus rejoiced in spirit when needs were met, when souls were saved, when the brokenhearted woman was healed, when, when, the, when the, the, uh, the woman received back, her, the mother received back her son who was dead. The leper, when he was cleansed and began a brand new life, Jesus looks for the downtrodden, the poor, the needy, the brokenhearted. Plug yourself into that. Unplug yourself from the hype, from the showmanship, from the professionalism, from the production of what man can do. And plug yourself into the heart of God. Plug yourself into meeting the real everyday needs of people. For truly was it not Jesus that went into the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and those, the seats of those that sold doves and said, you know, you've, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. And then did he not bring in the lame, the blind came to him then to show this is what my power is for to meet the needs of people. And when he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, you cannot interpret that in Old Testament terminology because in in the Old Testament, the house was a temple, a temple made with hands, a physical building. Today, who is the temple? It is us individually and collectively. So we are to be a house of prayer individually and collectively. And that's not so much speaking about having citywide prayer events and regional prayer events and national days of prayer. That's all fine and good. He's talking about us as individuals having such a communion with God in prayer that we have His heart. Because even a lot of prayer is for show. Men of men that pray are many, but men of prayer are rare. People of prayer, people that pray are many, but people of prayer are few. Because people of real prayer, they don't even desire to be seen or heard. Why? Because they have the heart of God. They're sensitive to people. You cannot commune in the Lord, with the Lord, in the Spirit, in true communion without having such a heart for individual people. Jesus rejoices. The criteria for the judgment of the nations and for the righteous, did not Jesus say, you have visited those in prison, those that are sick. You've closed those that are naked, and so on and so forth. That is what Jesus rejoices the most over. Plug your heart into that. Even here, every time you meet, there's always going to be some broken, discouraged soul 
Some single mother that's having a hard time taking care of her children. Some individual that can't pay their rent. Some widow that's lost her husband or wife. Some, someone that has fallen into sin and is devastated. That needs to know that God's merciful and God forgives. It could be people sitting right next to you. That's what Jesus rejoices over. But see, these type of deeds and these type of acts, they're not common because they require a certain amount of sacrifice and being inconvenienced. Where your emotions initially are not that engaged in it. Yet we can come here and shout hallelujah and it's right to do that. And we can have big conferences and we can get excited about what's happening. And some of it can be, right? Some of it can just be an appearance, a veil to hide the real issues. In people's hearts, or maybe even in the minister's heart. Because as the older I get, excuse me, I need a, um, just a little tissue because I'm spitting something out, and it ain't the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Thank you. <coughs> Where was I? <clears throat> yeah, uh, the older I get, I'm discovering... A lot of ministers, and I love ministers more than I ever have, want to see every one of them fulfill their call, run their race well, and finish strong. But I am finding, even people my age, I'll be 60 next month, so hard for me to believe. I know I don't look it, praise God, thank you. No. <laughs> there are many ministers in these pulpits that are spiritual orphans. Doesn't mean they're not saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, called to preach. But there are so many insecurities, even in our ministers today. Constantly need the affirmation, the validation of others. Constantly trying to prove how great they are, how anointed they are. When you are secure, and it'll take some time, and it'll take the dealings of God to come to a place where you are so secure in the love of the Father that you could care less whoever knows you, whoever sees you, whoever hears you again. Because Jesus said, even to his own disciples, don't rejoice that you cast out devils. Rejoice that you're a child of God. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Rejoice that God is your Father. The greatest, our greatest rejoicing should be in that. And then having the Father's heart and the heart of our Master to touch people with His love. No, I'm not going to tell a long story. <laughs> you know, by what he is saying he's both him and I went through times where we found ourselves um, caught up in it 
and were blinded by pride. Um, mine was in 1995 where God really dealt with me and I had to go to the altar and I didn't care. And, and his, when did God deal with you? 2002. And so we're, we're talking from experience. We, we had that going on where we were more concerned about what people thought of us and how they looked at us. And, and it was after that I repented that I saw the greatest power of God in my life. And it's, it's because I said, I never want to be seen again. I don't care if anybody ever recognizes me. I don't care if anybody ever says anything to me. I just want you father. So know that we're sharing this as ministers who went through it. We were both mission. Uh, I was a mission. We were missionaries when I went through mine and Bert was in, uh, we were in Pensacola at the Brownsville revival when he went through his and it really opened. We, we changed our personality changed because it was no longer about us. It was about people. Amen. You can never kill pride. As long as you live in housed in flesh, pride's knocking all the time. So we can't say that we've died to pride, but there was a major transformation, personal revival that happened in our hearts, in our lives. And it saved us, really. It saved us from maybe being a a casualty. It might have saved us from not having a reward. You know, at the end of it all, Jesus is interested and how we go to heaven, and even what our eternal reward is, that he will, he will work with people to make sure they get their reward. Hallelujah. I have been praying about, um, and some of you knew my dad. My mom and dad used to come here. My dad's gone to heaven two years ago. My mom's still alive. They, they're they're not living in this area anymore. They're living further north in Massachusetts. And my, my mom is, um, my, my brother and his wife, Liz, my brother Roy, they have taken care of my parents the last three or so years. When my dad went to heaven, they, they're taking care of my mom. And um, we've been praying because we feel like it's, it's getting closer for my mom to go home. She's 85 years old. And um, she has no, no other purpose to accomplish. Uh, she's, she's not that mobile. She doesn't go out anymore. She, she doesn't move. Or she walks with a walker. She's, you know, it's just like, Lord, what? there's no more purpose for her. And the Lord spoke to us recently and said, your brother and his wife need the reward of caring for her. I mean, that was a revelation to us. It was like, wow. I would have never thought from that angle. See, that's the Lord's heart. Moses, the children of Israel knew the acts of God, but Moses knew the ways of God. And I live to know his ways, his ways is, are, are his heart, how he thinks, why he thinks what he thinks. I like to read between the lines when I read the word of God. I want to read between the lines what is not written there. I want revelation from the Holy Ghost. 
concerning the heart of the Father, the ways of God. I want to be known by God. I don't care about being known by men. I want to be known by the Lord. So we're very careful how we walk now. Not too long ago, the Lord said in prayer, Who is in front of you? Because, you know, in the ministry, man, sometimes you're running around, you're running everywhere, flying everywhere, and you forget. You're on the airplane going to a conference and sitting right next to you is somebody with a great, great need. We have to be sensitive everywhere we go. People are really empty. Many of them are now knowing that they're empty. The world is getting darker. People even in the world know something's up, something's wrong. They're, they're, they're writing movies, producing movies about the apocalypse and all of this end time stuff. Earthquakes dividing our country and the Andreas, what is it, that fault in, in California. People are even picking up those things. Get your eyes off of the, just the outward. And the showmanship. And the presentation. And the production of man. And get your eyes on the Lord. And become truly a house of prayer. People that pray are sensitive. They're not plugged into just the outward showmanship and the hype and the Hollywood that we see in so much of the church today. They're plugged into the heart of God. I was in Gambia, a country we used to serve in a number of years ago. I'm, I'm winding this down now. You don't have your runway anymore. It used to be a runway here. Man, I like that runway. It's like I can't wind down anymore. I used to like come in for a landing really nice. Now, now I just have to like crash. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to finish right here. I might not even have time for that story. But because uh, God's already, God's already moving in the hearts of people. So, Lord, I just thank you. There's two people, I'll finish with this, this is a shorter story. There's two people in my hometown that have been meeting in their home for Bible study and prayer for years. They're just normal people, you would not even recognize them. They're just so humble, so, there's something about them. They have four children, all small, still living at home. And they are constantly reaching out to addicts, prostitutes, homeless people, troubled youth, you know, unwed mothers who are homeless. That just a short while ago, they had, they only have three or four bedrooms in their home. And at one time, they had 17 people, including their four children that live with them, living in their house from the streets, most of them. And I said, Jim, how do you do that? Well, we just built a bunch of bunk beds in two of the rooms. And they all stay there. And the other day, I was at my hair stylist. What do you call them? It's not a hairstylist because my hair, I don't have any hair to style. Like a barber. Okay. But it was a woman. (laughs) And she starts telling me, 
um, how she was on the street. She was an addict. She had a son out of wedlock. She couldn't care for him. And this particular group took her in. And she hated them all the time she was living with them. She didn't want to hear about Jesus. She didn't want to hear about God. She was such a rebel, such wickedness in her heart. But this couple kept loving them, kept loving her, kept loving her, kept loving her. And in time, she surrendered. She gave her heart to Jesus. She got filled with the Holy Ghost. Now she is so lit up. I'm sitting in that barber chair and she's talking to me and saying how wonderful. I've never met people like this in my life. They are the most godly, beautiful people I've ever met. I don't know anybody else like them. And she said she used to hate them. But they've loved her into Christ. Do you know how much of a sacrifice and an inconvenience it is to have 17 people living in a small home with four of your children? Well, you say they have a grace. Yes, they do have a grace for that. But at the same time, we can't excuse ourselves and say we are not called to do any of this. We are called to love people. We are called to lay down our lives for people, are we not? Even to suffer sometimes on their behalf. Jesus is looking for houses of prayer in this hour that are calling, ministering to not only the lame and the blind, but they represent the needs of people. Actually, if you want to be symbolic about it, those that can't see, those that can't walk. Well, that's most all of humanity, isn't it? (laughs) That are outside of Christ. Hallelujah. So my prayer for you is you become a people of prayer, that you have a heart of prayer, that you have a communion with God, that you unplug from the hype and the showmanship and the Hollywood that is such a part of the church today, and you plug into meeting the real needs of people. Amen. Let's all stand for a moment. Hallelujah. Pastor John, I'm going to turn this back over to you, but put your hand on your heart. And say, and say with all sincerity, Lord, give me your heart. Let me know your ways. Let me see what you see. Let me hear what you hear. And let me know what you know. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor.